Now, I have the incredible privilege to introduce a very good friend of mine who really doesn't need any introduction, Dr. Jorge Sanchez is the senior pastor of Comunidad. <laughs> Comunidad, if you don't know, <laughs> is our Spanish congregation. Um, technically, I'm Dr. Jorge's boss, but he is my mentor. I have learned from this man in the last six months, I haven't learned in seminary, and I'm not making this up. And uh, that congregation, if you haven't visited, please do once in a while. Um, I, I've, I've received such a depth of love from that congregation in some way more than, because they still think that I was the senior pastor or something, because I look more like community dad uh, than from this, this, this church, right? So I have a special um, um, love from that congregation, and some of them are here, I believe. Now, um, Pastor Jorge, I'm not going to, um, you know, flatter him too much, but he is, uh, he is not only a pastor, he's a theologian with a PhD from Fuller, and he is an itinerary speaker. He speaks all over the world. He just came from Spain a while ago after a sabbatical, and he is also a professor. Uh, but the best part about him that you may not know, that he is a Canadian. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you didn't see that. <laughs> well, he is also an Argentinian. He is also an American. Oh, my goodness, man of many talent. Pastor Jorge, we are so honored to have you here. Take it away. <laughs> so, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. I want to mention that uh, he is also an author. He has published this one book, and another book is coming soon. Unfortunately, I can't even read the title because it's in Spanish. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Matthew. It's a great honor to be in the pulpit of this magnificent church in this special occasion. Since you don't see me here very often, let me give you in a couple of minutes a brief report of everything that the Lord is doing in Comunidad. Possibly many of you, if, especially if you are new to Lake, don't know that every Sunday at 11 o'clock in the chapel we have a service worth about 300 Hispanics from almost every country in Latin America. The, the microphone's hitting your shirt here, so if we pull it up. Okay. Or maybe you should just use this one. Oh, no, sure. Much yeah, better. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, like I said, about 300 people from almost every country in Latin America. Give me one second. This is for your security. <laughs> if you give a mic to a pastor, expect a long talk. Um, 
and that um, we meet there to worship the Lord, to proclaim the gospel. And that was initiated about 30 years ago by the vision of Pastor Kirk, who saw that in the 70s, thousands of Hispanics moving to Pasadena, he had the desire to share the gospel with them, and through his vision, Comunidad was started. We were called here in 2003, and since then, we have been practicing what I'm going to share in a couple of minutes, and we have the joy of reporting to you that over the years, thousands of Hispanics have come to faith in Christ. Today, they are spread all over this beautiful country, and since then, we have a strong congregation, we have a group of incredible servants who lay uh, serve the Lord with passion, dedication, excellence. And that, what can I say? We are grateful to God that Lake gave us the opportunity to preach Christ. And since then, the Lord has magnified his name. So to all of you who has supported us, pray for us. Thank you. Thank you, and the Lord bless you, okay? Um, now, um, I am supposed to read the word to you this morning. Do you think that is important? But I will do something different. Can I ask you to bow your head? Close your eyes. Listen to the reading of the word as if the Lord himself was reading it to you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive it. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born 
of God. The Lord bless the reading of his words into our hearts this morning. Have you ever considered that if the Gospel of John would have been the only biography of Jesus Christ, our Lord, possibly we would not be celebrating Christmas as we know it. When you read the Gospel of John, this is not an official biography, it's rather a document that was put together with a purpose to bring people to faith. And therefore, the writer was not concerned about the historical details of the birth of the Lord, but rather on the excellencies of his person. That is why I want to offer you, if you have a, a PowerPoint that I prepare, uh, a brief outline of the paragraph we read together. If you pay attention, this block of 18 Bible verses, I didn't read all of them, is divided in four areas. In the first section, John tells us four qualities of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Then he goes to describe the ministry of John the baptizer, as we call him. Then he moves to say that the Lord came with a mission, and despite that he was not received by the world and ignored by his nation, he still decided to demonstrate that his love is greater than all our misery, and he gave to all who believe the greatest gift we have, we can receive, and that is to become children of God. And then, in the last four verses, he goes again to tell us more qualities about the person who came into this world. Now, I'm so happy that Pastor Matthew chose this passage for this time of the year, because certainly we have a capsule of the message that we are trying to proclaim to the nations at this time of the calendar. Now, Pastor explained to us the meaning of the first five verses last week. Today I want to zero in on the person and the ministry of John the Baptizer because it has many relevant lessons to each one of us who are here today. Now, somebody would say, Pastor, you are talking to us about the profile of an excellent minister of Christ. I am not a minister of Christ. I am not planning to be one, so I shut off my mind. Good night. Well, before you make that decision, let me try to explain what I mean by a minister. You know that that word means a servant. And therefore, everyone who has been saved by Christ, in some dimension, we are all servants of his mission, and therefore, we are ministers of the gospel. What I find here about John the baptizer is something that applies to every pastor who is occupying this position, like myself this morning, and to every Sunday school teacher, and to every member 
of who ministers worship to us and to every leader of a home Bible study or to any missionary who is leaving America to present the gospel to other nations and to, yes, you are a brand new Christian. It also applies to you because who knows what may happen to you in the future. Because when the Lord calls somebody, he calls him for something greater than every human expectation. Therefore, we have a message. Now, when I approach this passage, I find that the writer tells us four things about the ministry of John. First of all, we learned that he was sent by God. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. There you are. Before the universe was created, God decided for a plan for humanity. Since then, he has been unfolding that plan. He is the one who designed it. He is the one who makes it to be fulfilled. He knows at what time everything has to take place. His plan cannot be defeated, deviated, transformed. And he's always in the initiative. Therefore, when his son has to come to earth, he needed somebody to prepare the way for him so his ministry could be fruitful for the nation of Israel and for everyone who could listen to his message all along the centuries. Now, it is remarkable that this was a man sent by God. What a privilege. God never anoints programs. He only anoints people. If we want to have a revival, we have to pray to God. He send us the right person at the right time with the right spirit. That is how he always works. Now, the remarkable thing is that this was a man with all his capabilities, with humanity, limitations, sinfulness, everything. But praise be to God that in his mercy, he chose to use you and me to display his glory. That is something that no one of us deserves. I have been preaching the gospel for 52 years, and believe me, brothers, that I have walked all these years with the feeling that I have to wear a suit that belongs to Muhammad Ali, something much bigger than myself. I am not worthy to do it. But that is his grace. He called people to serve him. And believe me that the person who is called by the Lord, well, what can I say? If the president would call me to serve in his cabinet, cabinet, you say, is correct? It would be a tremendous honor, but believe me, that the best position on earth pales in comparison to having received a call from the living God. So he says that he sent a man. And the second thing that says about John is that he came as a witness to the light. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. 
Well, this phrase contains a world of information, don't you think? Notice, when I read my New Testament, I found several images for a preacher. He can be a proclaimer, preacher, prophet, pastor, teacher. But here, John chooses the word witness. That speaks to me of experience. Because one of the greatest dangers in Christian life and ministry is that we can have all the right thoughts, all the right feelings, and still be out of the kingdom. Several years ago, back in the 50s, 70s, when I was in Argentina, I met a person who became my friend later on, who was of British descent. He was not only of British descent, but from aristocracy in Britain. His last name was Churchill. Boy, oh boy. He belonged to the aristocracy. He was highly educated. At one point, he thought of entering the ministry and he went to a seminary. And one day, the church that was serving, an Anglican church in Argentina, uh, they had a mission in the northern part near Bolivia, ministering to the needs of the native community there. And the director invited John to go there to preach and teach. What a surprise he had. Because during one of the services, one of these native people came to share the word. And as he was teaching, his passion, his conviction, his fire showed to this good friend that even though he had the right heart and the right opinions, his heart was not right with the Lord. That even though he had everything mentally analyzed and accepted, something was still missing. And that is my greatest concern. That the person who shares about Christ in any position have to have the assurance that he or she had a personal encounter, a transforming encounter with the living God. Because otherwise, it's going to happen what happened to me years ago. I invited a friend to listen a couple of preachers. And after everything was finished, I asked him, what do you think? He said, one spoke like a lawyer, the other spoke as a witness. John came as a witness to the light. That gave us the reason for his message. That he had to pinpoint to the nations who is the light and what is the, our greatest need, and that is to get to know Jesus Christ. The third thing that John tells us about the ministry of John the Baptizer is that John came with a definite purpose. So that through him, all might believe. 
Well, my friends, here we have the purpose of the ministry. That we are not supposed to be agents of information only, but agents of transformation. That the usefulness of a person who serves Christ is measured not in numbers of attendance in a worship service or the budget or but in how many people are coming to faith in Christ. Over the years, as I entered the ministry, I entered with trembling, <laughs> trembling thinking, is the Lord going to back my ministry? Or am I going to do the ridicule? Well, as I said before, when the Lord calls somebody, he will bless you far beyond what you can imagine. When I go to Canada 40 years ago, I was just by myself. Later came Francis, and together we began to witness. 20 years later, we left two congregations, and we led over a thousand people to Christ. And my friend, that is the final test. When we came to Comunidad years ago, uh, Comunidad was a tiny group of people. They had only the worship service since then. I don't know how many, I don't care, because the Lord keeps the record for me. Thousands of people came to faith. And my friends, something that I want to say yes today is this. We live in difficult days, days of confusion, days where many voices are being raised to say, this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. Well, my friends, at this time of the year, we have a message to proclaim, and that is that Christ came into the world. Now, in 50 years of service, I have listened to over possibly 10,000 sermons. I wonder how is it that I'm not an atheist? <laughs> Because in many places, there is a new kind of homiletics preaching. That is, tell a nice story and hope that all the mentally retarded will come to faith. Well, my friends, if we expect somebody to come to faith, we better show him, her, some real arguments who has some weight. And even though I have a lot to say, and time is running short, I will say this to you. That unless we show the world why Christ is relevant, nobody will come to faith. And I want to assure you in the words of Matthew 1:21, when the angel made the announcement to Joseph, he said, he will save the people from his sin. I want to assure you that if Jesus had not come, humanity can never save himself from the biggest problem it faces, and that is the slavery of sin, the consequences of sin, the power of sin. It seems that Romans 6.23 has been erased from the Bibles. The wages of sin are death. 
Only Jesus could deal with that problem. He's different to everyone else. He's above every other possible candidate. If Jesus did not come, we didn't have a chance. We are doomed forever. And the other thing that we have to remind the world is that in this society that is heavily controlled by Satan, Satan, sorry, we read in 1 John 3:8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Many Christians today seem to believe that Satan is on vacation. He is not. Have you noticed? If he wants to destroy Lake Avenue Church, he will not attack it. He will join it. It's much easier, far more effective. He sends a tear among the wheat and just wait for the results. I can give you many examples of that methodology, except that town would not allow me. So at this time, we have a message to proclaim. Jesus Christ came. He's the light and with the purpose that we will be saved. Now, the last thing that John says to us is that he was not the light. Now, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. You are going to say, well, why does he say that when he said it in the phrase before? Well, my friends, because I tell you as a pastor that this profession has many peculiar temptations of which you are not aware. Possibly the greatest and most dangerous is the pride of the intellect. You see, Pastor John introduced me as he said so many good things of me that if he kept talking, I will believe that I am a twin brother of the Archangel Gabriel. <laughs> and many pastors seem to believe that these days. They call themselves apostles, prophets, the other and the other and the other. Brothers and sisters, believe me that every day that I came to this pulpit, I come with fear and trembling because this is absolutely serious task. And the temptation is to believe that I am the intelligent one and I begin to modify the message. I change the good news for good counseling and I change the work of Christ for the message of positive thinking, and you are an eagle, what are you doing among the turkeys? My friends, the gospel is not, oh, I will say this in English, um, what you put in a dress, a that. Okay? What I say is this. We have been called by God to proclaim a message that is powerful, needed, necessary, and which leads to incredible consequences in life and eternity. Let me ask you, 
Have you been called by God to salvation, to service, to preaching, to teaching, to serving? Are you giving witness to the light? Are people coming to faith through your service? Do you realize that preaching Christ is the highest privilege that is given to a human being? Ephesians 3.8 has been my fundamental verse for my ministry. There the apostle says, to me, which I am the least of the saints, has been given this grace. That I announce among the nations the unsearchable riches of Christ. Today the Lord is here. He knows you. He evaluates you. He wants to give you the best reward. One day the Lord evaluated the ministry of John the baptizer and he said, he was a lamp that burned and gave light. What a model for my life. By the grace of God, every Christian should have the same aim. To be something who is burning for Christ, but also who has the capacity to give a reason of the faith and the hope that we have. So I close with the invitation that John makes at the end of the gospel. Because as I said, this is not a biography, but a writing with a definite person, and that is, as he says in the verse 30 and 31 of chapter 20, because this may be the next decision that somebody must take this morning. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. That is the greatest decision that somebody can take. The Lord bless you all. Have a beautiful Christmas. We love you. Ciao.